This episode is brought to you by Element Kombucha. Kombucha is an incredibly delicious drink with a ton of amazing health benefits, primarily gut health. It's got those good bacterias. Yes, some bacterias are good. I've actually got a bottle of Element Kombucha in my hand. This one is called Summer Vibes. So let's take a sip. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, that's the first time trying this particular flavor and it is delicious. My other favorites are the Mountain Oolong as well as the Jasmine Hibiscus. Elements brewing process maintains the traditional methods and ingredients that people have been brewing kombucha with for thousands of years. Each flavor is brewed with strict parameters to bring out the benefits of the plants as well as the best flavors possible. And let me tell you, you can feel the difference. I highly recommend you give Element Kombucha a try. It's delicious, it's healthy, and it's just nice to have in your fridge for when you're thirsty. So go to elementkombucha.com and use promo code ZIAN11 to save 11%. That's ZIAN11 to save 11%. X-I-A-N 11 at elementkombucha.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my friend Tima. How's it going today, man? Oh, doing well, doing well. Yeah, <laughs> happy to be here. Yeah. I'm happy to be finally be here. Yeah, yes. yeah, we've been talking about this for a while now. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, can't believe that's uh, actually happening. I know. It's awesome to yeah. be here, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, really cool vibes here. I love the place. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I actually haven't done uh, very many in-person pods over the years. Um, my first kind of handful, maybe first 10 episodes of the podcast, were a lot of them were in person. But since then... Um, I've been reaching out to people that are outside of San Antonio, outside of Texas a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, it's nice to be back in person. Thanks for the push because I actually didn't have this, all my gear, like it was all like kind of still in storage from when I moved. Uh -huh. So I dug it up because you asked to do it in person and yeah, I appreciate it. So it's good to be here with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't ask for a different way in the same city. So I think, uh, you know, interpersonal connection is much better to feel the energy and, yep. uh, yeah, be on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> thousand percent. <laughs> totally. So, uh, how I first learned about you was through your, uh, kombucha company element which is actually in a ton of stores um in san antonio i see them every time i go to heb which is awesome um but i've learned recently that you've become an apprentice uh to help people through ayahuasca ceremonies so i was curious if we could you know start with element and how and why you built that company and you know we'll kind of see how the story unfolds to ayahuasca and everything you're doing nowadays so at the beginning of you know the story well i'm sure there's a lot that <laughs> came before element but as far as becoming passionate about kombucha to the point that you scaled it to become quite a successful company how did that passion begin hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, well, I, it was, I was kind of born into it <laughs> in a way. Uh, the, so I, as far as, you know, my first memories uh, since I was five or four associated with drinking kombucha, actually. Oh, wow. Because uh, I grew up in the far north of Russia in the uh, northern part of Kamchatka Peninsula. Mm -hmm. So it's a mountainous tundra. It's a very isolated place. Mm -hmm. So just tiny village in the middle of nowhere, no roads uh, connect to the land. So you, you only can get there by helicopter oh, wow. uh, once a week. Damn. So it's a community of 700, 800 people there in the middle of uh, wilderness. Mm -hmm. you, know, you step out of the settlement and you're in, in the bear territory. Oh, yeah, wow. beautiful place, beautiful place. And uh, so naturally we didn't have any kind of uh, soda drinks and things like that and uh, so my mom was making kombucha oh, wow. yeah okay. so and uh, since I was a little baby that was my uh, my treat right because it had sugar it had all the bubbliness and yeah. things like that so it was exciting yeah oh, wow. yeah I was yeah every time I was uh, you know waiting for it to be fermented right so mm -hmm. just looking at the canvas like what is it gonna be ready <laughs> yeah. so yeah right. so that's a uh, so my my connection with kombucha, you know, so it like started there, and of course, you know, uh, throughout time when I went to college, then came to New York, um, kind of you know lost that and things like that until one of my friends and I was living in New York at the time, brought some scoby from Russia, right, and I was like. 
and it's been you know years and years and, and I've completely forgot about the about kombucha Chinese grape uh, they call it in Russian and the um, yeah so the and I was excited and I started uh, brewing again and it kind of slowly turned in the company because mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's, it's one of those things when you start brewing and I moved to San Antonio at that time about 10 years ago now uh, uh, and the SCOBY has a tendency to grow right it grows and uh, since I was so connected to it I, I don't like to throw it away so it kept growing and growing in my kitchen it just like went outside of the kind of normal person kind of kitchen <laughs> status so, and what is the scoby yeah. exactly because i've seen it because i've been to your house and mm -hmm. seen the giant you know jar with something in it and i think you told me that's what it was mm -hmm. but like what is that I, I can't really tell what it, it looks almost like a an organ like a liver or like you know it looks really? kind of like a, something that comes from inside a human i have no idea what it actually is yeah it's yeah, it's kind of an organ in a way. Yes, it's a no, not really an organ, but <laughs> so it, it is a structure of uh, of it, the SCOBY acronym. It uh, stands for symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. Mm -hmm. So when bacteria, acetobacteria, and yeast, they kind of work together. Can mm -hmm. uh, um, um, the yeast? eats sugar and uh, that produces a little bit of alcohol and acetobacter eats alcohol and produces CO2 so it's like it's kind of like a whole symbiotic relationship there and uh, mm -hmm. mean, meanwhile they're like creating the celluloid structure so it's like it's really like a cellulose mm -hmm. and that that's floating there but it's it's part of the colony of of the symbiotic organism essentially called SCOBY. How did it start? You know like how does a, how do you give birth to a SCOBY? <laughs> Well, so you, you you know you can propagate it like any other culture, right? So you uh, either have a little bit of other scoby from somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Or actual kombucha that uh, been inoculated with that, right? Or fermented with mm -hmm. this because a uh, kombucha. Uh, it's uh, when it's not pasteurized, mm -hmm. uh, it's a live organism, right? So it you can take let's say a can of element kombucha right now. Or two, probably better, and put it in the jar and let it sit for a couple of days, and you slowly will see the film forming on top of it, and that would be the scoby. Damn. Yeah, yeah, interesting. it's interesting. And then add a little sugar, and it will be you'll have your own kombucha farm. Right. Yeah. Um, have you noticed this phenomenon? Because it happened to me, and I've heard uh, it happens to many people. But the first time they try kombucha, it's kind of a they don't like it it's a little bit sour a little bit weird but like you drink it three four five times and you start to like it you know like you start to actually appreciate the taste and the sensation and the health benefits do you know anything about that like how it becomes an acquired taste or is that just something that that i've experienced yeah um yes definitely so some people just love it straight uh, from the start but i would say definitely half of the population and you know in the kombucha not it's it can be done really wrong in terms of flavor right mm -hmm. you over ferment it for a couple of days and you'll have a pure vinegar so that would be really hard to drink 
And uh, from a quart taste, I have a theory that it's actually your gut bacteria that kind of uh, like help you to adjust your taste buds to over something that is beneficial. So, you know, we all know how important our uh, uh, gut microbiome for our health and for our just mood and for our thoughts and our kind of ideas and things like that. And um, so... I think uh, that's it's a little bacteria kind of changing yeah. your acquire and becoming an acquired taste because it's a, it's a really healthy for you right for, for this totally but yeah I'm not sure if it's all, all all true but no, I like I th- to think that way I yeah. think the body is extremely intelligent and it wouldn't strike me as a surprise at all if that was what was happening you know like it's similar how we get cravings for something we might be lacking you know whether it's like protein mm-hmm. you know um, <clears throat> you can just as a yogi, you know, many days I'd go without protein or without meat at least. And a few days into it, into like a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, like I'll have this craving mm-hmm. for, you know, chicken or whatever. And it's kind of like the body giving you that intuition, like, hey, you're running really low on protein. We're running out. Like, you're hungry for that. Go for it, you know? And it's a similar thing that I'm hearing about how the gut bacteria might be like, hey, actually, that was really healthy. That helped us out down here. It helped us clean shit up. So now you like that. (laughs) Totally, yeah. I love it. I also wanted to ask, how do people control the alcohol content? Because there's this thing I'm seeing more and more of, which is hard kombucha. Mm -hmm. So these are like 8, 10% kombuchas, whereas like a normal kombucha is like 1%, right? Right, or below, yeah, 0.5. Right. So how how does the process change to make it like a hard kombucha over, you know... A normal kombucha. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's slightly different process. So a lot of times, um, so you, you, I mean, if you keep kombucha longer on the shelf, uh, like uh, on fermenting, it will turn mostly to vinegar. Um, you can increase the alcohol content by let's say straining it and putting a little bit more sugar and putting it into shelf and ferment it longer. So it's kind of like a different different ways of doing it. Uh, some kombucha companies they um, they add they have a kombucha base or tea base kind of alcohol that they create parallel to that mm-hmm. um and it may may not contain kombucha but they kind of ferment uh, like a tea uh with uh, some dextrose and some some in yeast right so inoculate it and create alcohol mm-hmm. and then they mix it with, together with kombucha mm-hmm. So it's 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 not like they were uh, fermenting kombucha longer and it uh, becomes ten percent. It, it's really impossible because you know bacteria is going to eat that alcohol and eventually the the yeast will run out of sugar to produce alcohol and it will just become more vinegar than alcoholic. Um, so yeah, uh, there's another another way to do that is when you like let's say brew your kombucha. And you you strain it, you drain it into the separate container, and add extra yeast and extra sugar 
or dextrose to it mm -hmm. and then it can ferment and create more alcohol but then you will still have to mix it with just regular kombucha it's, it's almost like a kombucha cocktail at this point mm, gotcha is that something you ever see yourself venturing into or you want to keep it just like the health healthy <laughs> healthy vibe kombucha yeah exactly so like it's it's been kind of tempting to go into that alcoholic space for a second uh, not in my heart really but mostly in my mind and every time it, it, we had some offers to and it just more i think of it and i really you know being on the path of the of medicine path and uh, something and see the destruction that alcohol can cause yeah. and like in people's i can addiction and things like that mm -hmm. so it wasn't aligning with my uh, you know understanding what i want to contribute to the world right, you know? right. yeah that's awesome i love that so to get into this kind of like ayahuasca portion um i know recently that you spent a lot of time um in was it south america in peru peru uh -huh. in iquitos doing your kind of apprenticeship to work more deeper with ayahuasca and help facilitate ceremony but at the very beginning of your interest like when did you initially hear about ayahuasca um and what called you to it you know, like years and years back, I guess this was. Uh, it was uh, about, uh, oh, yes, 11 years ago. Uh, there was my first experience. It was in, in 2012. And uh, it was on the heels, I guess, of just kind of like 2012, like the whole understanding of awakening. The world's ending. The world ending. <laughs> and uh, Terrence McKenna and reading all the books and right. kind of getting more into the uh kind of and this you know like just wonder and just curiosity of psychedelics you know and how you uh not only just you know they kind of change you and alter your mind at the moment but it, there are some sort of uh, like life behind that right there is this conscious beings and kind of your own mind of course and uh, but it's there's a whole another universe that is really kind of way like you know closed off uh, for us uh, for you know just in the regular day-to-day -day life and which is good you know because we do kind of uh, in, in, living in kind of in material environment and yeah. nature we need to focus on that surviving and kind of understanding our three-dimensional world and um, yeah. but uh, that the world that is you know in the uh, in upper dimensions, uh, was very curious in it, and uh, so started researching more about the medicines and ayahuasca in particular. Yeah, back in 2012, and uh, eventually, uh, me and my girlfriend we went to um, Peru together uh, 10 years, 11 years ago, and uh, we kind of that was the first initial experience and. Uh, it, it was quite shocking for sure uh, yes it was a very intense experience mm -hmm. it uh, revolutionized my whole world uh, in it it brought so much kind of um more openness and awareness of like of myself and in the world and the interconnectivity of the nature and mm -hmm. just like open up a lot of eyes in it and uh, the first experience was very very powerful uh it i got um really fully kind of immersed in the spirit world mm -hmm. and just like and with no doubt that i've been there before yeah 
it was very familiar to me it was very um just homey it felt like home and uh, all the colors and all the structures and all the kind of spirits and communications with the spirits like friends mm -hmm. were very very clear uh, uh, it was it was definitely familiar from the first and yeah. you know it, it it kind of like got me thinking a lot more and of course at that time you know kind of working with Buddhist philosophies and just just it was always curious on different religions of the, of the world and uh, question of reincarnation was always in my mind but that was a really a very powerful experience just to see the kind of progression of our souls and evolution and that. Wow. So was that night one or just your first sit? Because usually, as I understand it, at least there's like at least three ceremonies. Is that right? Preferably. Yeah. So was that night one that you're that that happened, or was that maybe night two or three? That was night one. Wow. Night one, the the first night, and I think uh, uh, that time my astro, they kind of didn't realize how strong the brew was, <laughs> and they, so it it kind of it turned to the, the whole whole Maloka was just purging and yeah. just screaming and uh, in very very productive way there's a lot of things that were released but uh, it was a very strong brew so they got a, got a high like really big dose for everybody wow. and it, and very visually just striking these like the, with colors and just uh, and forms and just and entities and yeah. people that, wow. that in there and the landscapes behind it is uh, infused with beauty and uh, yeah, um, and then that that retreat that was a first ceremony. Uh, it was done with the Quechua tradition. Um, right now, I'm kind of the, for first two years I work with Quechua tradition, which is a little kind of a different style from the Shipibo tradition that I'm working right now with. You know, for the past seven years, which I kind of fell fell in love with and the the way they approach the medicine and the depth of their connection with medicine and the thousands of years of their connection and uh, um, of like knowledge of the medicinal plants and uh, not only the world of uh, ayahuasca is it kind of in the medicine space but the knowledge of the healing plants and plant diets and things like that, which we can uh, break down further yeah. on the plant diet. And um, so, yes, um, that was kind of my initial mm. initial uh, phase. And uh, uh, I had uh, five ceremonies uh, that retreat. So I stayed in the mountains in Peru, but not in the jungle. Mm. I was in the mountains in the Andes, oh, and Andes, wow. and it was it was a beautiful place. Yeah. A, the place called Way In, in the, the town, little town called like in the waters. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a very limited experience with ayahuasca, but I've sat twice and um, definitely has very profound effect on, um, yeah, your mind. And it's so strange that feeling of familiarity that you yeah that you marked upon um remarked upon which you know what does that mean does that mean that it feels like the place that's between death and birth you know is it 
or is that somewhere where we've visited in past lives? Um, because it's so strange how it does feel like this source of where we come from. It feels like, man, it's hard to put a finger on, but it's like, how do we know it? You know, how would you say that we know that space? It feels like a place we've certainly seen before. Although before taking the ayahuasca, you don't remember it. Right. You know, it's like, oh, this is my first time doing it. But when you land in the space, you're like, oh, wait, I've been here before. Like, how would you describe that, that sensation? What is, what does that mean? You know, it's an interesting question for sure. Um, so, well, if you kind of for Shipibo people, um, <clears throat> ayahuasca. So, ayahuasca serve a lot of functions. Uh, you know, first of all, like on the physical body, like it's it's great. You're you know for as a cleanser, you have your digestive tract, your digestive system. It's an amazing blood purifier. Um, it cleans up your your blood and helps with to clean up a lot of energies. Mm-hmm. And uh, for curanderos, also ayahuasca is the doorway mm-hmm. to the energetic and medicinal space, and you know that space, um, spiritual space, mm-hmm. right, and medicine space where they can access the energies of their previous diets and the energies um, of the other person. Mm-hmm. They can they are healing. Right, so Shipibo culture—it's uh, you know—it's uh, like if Shipibo culture is very pragmatic in in that regard. Uh, that is, you know, first of all, they, you know, living in the jungles and living in the, um, kind of in the, in the close communion with nature, uh, where everything is interwoven and all the energies are in in its own. Uh, uh, kind of in its own synchronicity, right? It's like it's then you know in the, our, our Western world we kind of lost, we separated all the energies, yeah. you know, like in its forms, like uh, uh, separated all the water is in, in in this, you know, but you you don't feel it, right? It's it serves its own function, in, in but it's like you're not embedded in the interconnectivity of nature, mm-hmm. in it. So, in Shipibo culture, you know they. They connected with the spirits of nature. They connected with the kind of that dirt. They the connection of the water and the sun and the and the plants and aroma of the flowers and everything is in kind of their connectivity. And they you know they understand the spirits and understand the spiritual world. Um, so you know it's for Westerners where we separated it. It's really. Ayahuasca is kind of do the spir- is a spiritual journey. Is can be healing on its own, on itself, right? Just like for going for the spiritual journey of that, where she people using the medicine is to heal certain diseases, or kind of certain conditions and things like that. Uh, anything from psychological too, but it, it's all together, right? It's um, any disease. Uh, um, ailment that uh, in body, you know, it's all connected to some sort of energetic pattern, spiritual pattern, and yeah. it's all kind of like a expression of one. It's it's disbalance. Yeah, it's interesting how I've heard about how, you know, when someone can do ayahuasca and heal a part of their mind, 
a part of their body heals too. Mm-hmm. You know, like say they have some disease that's, it seems very like organ. It's like my, this one organ I have is diseased, whether it's a liver or stomach or lung or whatever it might be. It's counterintuitive, especially to Americans, but like that if we heal some part of our mind, that organ can begin to heal as well. And I've heard like miracles stories of miracles happening when people use ayahuasca in the right set and setting um where this disease they have whether it's like lyme disease or cancer or like these things that seemingly have no um you know uh remedy or way to you know heal it like they can be healed almost by you know a miracle uh, how would the should people kind of see that as like you heal some maybe trauma that's trapped in your body or you heal some part of your mind and then it allows your body to heal you know mm-hmm. it is uh, it's like in 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 nature right so when nature is very complex right but when it's in harmony it like uh, you know when it's healthy it's in harmony and it's in balance it's working so your body as well so it's like it's very complex and there's a lot of aspects to you you know your your mind you know your your body right every organ has its own kind of energetic footprint in the energy of your body and the spirit right behind that um, so like it, it is all highly interconnected, right? So like if your spirit is in disbalance with your body, you know, you will have also a mental, uh, your mind will be in disease as well. Uh-huh. And um, so healing that in allopathic, me- like me- uh, Western medicine, uh, so it's like either body or you have a psychological help and just like trying to work just from your mind up down to your body which you know can help in a lot of ways uh but it's kind of not providing that holistic approach to it where where she people people and that been using this medicine for who who knows how long but at least like thousands of years like a couple of thousands of years um and uh, so they learn to navigate it and to they learn to um, kind of heal certain conditions with, with plants, with energies of the plants of their diets um, through kind of, so they you see it as a complex problem right, so, so you see you come with some sort of physical element uh, I don't know um, let's say you know, you have a stomach problem yeah. right, that you need to address so they will start addressing it they will first, they use ayahuasca to access the realm and see, have it. ayahuasca in that regard is also served as a diagnostic mm-hmm. tool, right. like instrument so it will, it allows them to come uh, to the space of kind of this e- and open energies where they can sc- literally scan you scan your body and see where the disbalance is yeah. after that they they have they prescribe certain diet right and the diet they it prescribed from their knowledge of the plant world right they have the as we call it jiao or rao like it's a plant the world of their plant medicines inside of them energetic bodies and because they commune with those plants so they know exactly what to prescribe you what kind of 
uh, plant and diet and they will start treating your physical symptoms with that diet but also cleaning and bringing the balance in your spiritual uh, side of it too so so it all working kind of aligning together in harmony Um, it's very very difficult very complex um, process it it requires uh, lots of lots of diets many many years and like really deep knowledge of the medicinal space of ayahuasca but also the uh, all the world of uh, plants Mm -hmm. yeah um so when people say diets or dieta you know sometimes it's kind of unclear what they are referring to you know as as an american um because you know when i think of uh when I think of the most basic level of like dieta or diet, it's some type of preparation for ceremony. It's like, Hey, you have ceremony in two weeks. So don't eat these couple things, you know, like I think they say, don't eat salt or don't eat sugar. Um, maybe even sometimes don't eat meat. Right. Um, and that's like, that, that to me feels like a very like entry level dieta, like just, prepare for ceremony dieta but then there's like these more advanced ones where they're working with plants that aren't even psychoactive Mm -hmm. it's just like a plant that you know i don't even know like what is the purpose of eating this one plant or bunch or i i've heard of like tobacco dieta right it's like smoke tobacco a ton you know like i don't know i'm very naive to it all but you know how would you explain like what dieta is and what its purpose is Uh uh-huh very good question yeah it's a complex question but it, it is uh, it is a different process that the preparation for the for the ayahuasca ceremonies right in uh, for ayahuasca ceremonies it's you know there's similarity of course in the food intake when you are on a long diet the same so yeah no red meats and you know no dairy like no acidic foods and sugar salt and, you know all sort of things like that yeah. Um, so, but the, the, the main difference here is, um, like, um, so I've been working, uh, um, so uh, my community that I've been learning and, uh, for the past seven years and working excessively with, uh, with diets and ayahuasca medicine and learning from maestros and master healers and Shipibo tradition. So the uh, center um, in Iquito is called Kaya Shobo. So they're my family and always going, in fact, I'm going there. Uh, in early December for another few weeks um, I will be hosting the retreat there um, I will be helping you know facilitate a retreat and working with maestros and um, working with people and providing them support and things like that so in Kayashobo our center is always focused on master plant healing dietas so what it is and what it is for Shipibo people as well is um, for, let's say, so f- for Shipibo people, when you are work, like living so close to, to nature and you have um, curanderos that are working with the natural world in it, so over over these thousands of years working together, so they learned through the use of ayahuasca as the doorway, as an act to access this kind of energetic healing space, the medicine, 
and it's in, it's the space also to commune with spirits and so and the all, everything every plant has its own consciousness and its spirit they're like people not like a, to call non-human people mm-hmm. and uh, they truly are yeah because they carry this consciousness they, their body is in earth in different forms but their uh, conscious consciousness is very very um active and very very wise uh, like there's a lot of wisdom and kind of and healing knowledge and and your uh, and different abilities different plants have different abilities so there are some uh, there are category of plants they call master plants they are sort of having this like a grand spirit of like of wisdom knowledge and the healing knowledge and kind of help you to acquire as you so in the process of communing with them so that process of communication and learning from those plants mm-hmm. it's called dieting the plants so let's say you have a certain plant there's one of the you know master healing plants in Shipibo tradition called like was a bobinsana or Pino Blanco. Uh, so when you open your to open your diet um, is that you know the maestros mm-hmm. they open this energetic body of yours mm-hmm. and then they kind of insert in this seedling of plant consciousness mm-hmm. inside of your energetic space. Mm-hmm. And that singling is very, very, like, at that time, is very vulnerable to certain things and energies um, because it's energetic space. So, so therefore, you really need to cleanse your body and your mind uh, out of the certain energetic inputs, right? So, like, uh, food, for example, one of the main en- energetic inputs, right? So, when you become on a diet, so you are... You restrict your food intake, right? And some diets are very strong, uh, very restricted. You eat once a day, mm-hmm. no salt, no sugar, no red meat, no dairy, no acidic foods. The list is really going on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, so some plants, they when you start working with them and you start communicating and feeling those plants, and usually the first communication happens in your dreams. Mm-hmm then they can modify some of your diets as well, food intake. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say Babinsana, like uh, there was one of my latest diet, it didn't like fish. I could not eat fish, you know, I was feeling so bad on it. And so in, in my dreams, kind of it shows like no fish kind of for me and eggs as well. So which made it like really hard. It's like almost like, okay, rice. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's it. all I that's got left. So, so skinny, <laughs> but anyway, there was eight months diet. So skinny, man. Yeah. And uh, so the food intake is one of the uh, like energetic inputs that you like restricting, you removing all the loud foods from it. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit more energetic kind of, you, you're tuning your body, your energetic to the frequency of the plant so you can understand the language they speak. The, the, so the, also the plant can grow with you and strengthen mm-hmm. within your space. Also, another restriction comes like from the restriction from being in crowded spaces. So you cannot be in crowded space. You're dieting the energy of others, 
right? So you you don't you don't go to the bars, or even if you don't drink, you don't go to the football games or things like that, um, and just kind of staying really in solitude. So ideal diet you always spend. In Chipibo, when in like real dieting, it's a diet of solitude. You are just having in a tambo in a jungle by yourself. Only maestro brings you a meal once a day, and you it's just you and a plant. And another energetic kind of uh, focus of like a diet aspect is your own mind. So you're dieting your the energy of, of your own thoughts. You clear them up. And then, of course, as you start communing and c connecting with your plant uh, more and more, the plant becomes stronger. And at that time, the healing starts to occur. The true transformation happens in the diet. So in Chipibo, basically, so what we say, the ayahuasca, um, you know, it is, is, it is a doorway. It's a the diagnostic instrument, and it's, it's, a, it's a doorway in, uh, like to help to access and heal in it but the true transformation happens when you are really dieting plants yeah. and uh, of course you know that they, doing ayahuasca ceremonies can get you certain healing as well because especially if maestros are, are really uh, you know skillful and they're the master healers are very powerful so they use they share your their medicine they can clean you as well uh, and you know access to the spiritual world and connection to the spiritual world from our society that's so disconnected could be healing on its own of course too um, but um, so and the, yeah through the process of diet once you, you start communing with the with the plant you see the dreams certain recurring dreams and you kind of start noticing the changes um in your body in in your mind you open up your vision sometimes open up the smell and uh, things like that that kind of like truly becoming transformative some plants work uh, more on your body if like they prescribe you diet for some sort of stomach problem or something like that so it more kind of gets into the body and you know the plant healing you from that as well as of course it's always uh, it, but some of the diets are more uh, geared towards learning the the plant kind of world the plant medicine you know for the use that in the ceremony right so it's like some sort of like wisdom kind of sharing plant. so you you communicating communicating very deeply and learning and it be eventually it becomes part of you yeah are most of these plants kind of um not psychoactive or are most of them psychoactive whereas like when you're dieting the plant you're also entering like altered states of consciousness with it no so, so it's not like an ayahuasca where you take no, it and yeah. you start tripping yeah, so, so all of speak. them basically not psychoactive okay. it's a uh, they they activate in a different way right but your, they're edible senses. because you're are you eating them correct yeah you you ingest them yeah. you know you make little concussion and you... right so in a day for like uh, say you're dieting one of these common ones you just refer to like what is your day like obviously you're in solitude the only person you come in contact with is the guy that gives you the meal mm -hmm. um but you wake up is it breakfast lunch and dinner with the plant or how does it go like what does your day look like when you're dieting you know uh-huh very good question um so 
I wish I had a privilege just to diet for months and months in a tambo by myself. Uh, usually what happens, I diet a certain period of time, but if it's, you know, it's a long diet, sometimes, you know, if you do apprenticeship diets, so they go in through a long period of time. And, um, you know, eight months and uh, can afford to stay in the jungle for eight months and need to come back and have a company and things like that. Yeah. So I end up being working here and still being on the diet. And, and this is very, very difficult. Um, but in the, in, in the jungle, when you are um, in the diet, you wake up, you kind of like throughout the time, like more time progresses you getting more and more attuned to the to the medicinal world to the to the plant world in communication that you are kind of getting into the space of like somewhere between the dream and awake mm. so and you're kind of communicating and like staying so in people also like um when you do this isolation diet uh, you are you, you you should not exercise either you should not be on the sun or on the rain uh, so it's kind of like very almost just like a plant world. You like fully just become immobile there and they're yeah. just in the perfect condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're entering that, that world and that world is huge. In the, in the dreams, they see the world and the beauty and possibilities of that and communication and just strengthening, strengthening your own mind, opening your mind and your connection with the plant and getting it kind of stronger because now it's like there's no other inputs energetic inputs and then they can harm it or it it can grow really into this beautiful garden wow yeah that's interesting yeah it definitely does seem very hard it does remind me of what certain yogis do where they go on retreats and try to eat very little and try to meditate all day and you know not go exercising and running and climbing mountains they just kind of sit in their little hut and try to go deep is there a lot of like meditation with it you yeah. just kind of sitting with your Absolutely. eyes closed and mm-hmm. trying to yeah commune with that that plant that you're dieting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. prayer and meditation prayer is uh, really fundamental to uh, to the whole shipibo healing process mm-hmm. wow um, there's this one aspect that I don't know much about, but I've heard about, which is in the ayahuasca space, sometimes people can encounter like negative spirits, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even I've heard like attacks from other shaman. Like, what do you know about that? And how do you kind of work through that? And is that like, have you had experiences of that? Um, yes, that world absolutely exists, you know, so like a, like a, people are people, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So if you are possesses, if you possess some sort of like a, a knowledge of the plant and possess, uh, that doesn't mean that you're a good person, can utilize their knowledge of the energies and kind of either gain some sort of uh you know their own for gain some sort of benefit for themselves right or intentionally harm or kind of conspiring against it whatever it is right it's not just for healing purposes mm-hmm. so that this this world is uh, very interesting because it's like anything you know in humans like we have our dark side and we have our light side mm-hmm. uh, so the plants and, and and shamans have their dark side as well so some succumb to that because it's 
sometimes it's easier to get in it so therefore therefore it's that's why it's very important to know and have a good referral and understanding where you're going to have a ceremonies with and so and this is that's one of the most difficult aspects of um uh sh like curandero mm -hmm. or like master healers mm -hmm. to confront those entities yeah. to clean the space from that to confront to heal to keep their own space and it's not only entities from outside this those entities they are part of your disease mm -hmm. you know so in kayashobo you know, the majority of people, there are people that come there for spiritual curiosity, mm -hmm. but uh, so, but since, uh, you know, the, the healing dyes that we offer there um, are very effective for kind of all sorts of diseases, and a lot of people come there for help, mm -hmm. right? Whether that physical and, and psychological things like that, so a lot of people come there like for hospital. And those, those you know, when you come, and you have some sort of condition mm -hmm. that carries some sort of energetic footprint and usually negative. Mm -hmm. And some of them can be really, really negative, yeah. right? So it's almost like you possess with that spirit that sucks that right. energy out of you. So, and that's where the um, uh, maestros, um, master healers, part of their the knowledge is how to confront that, how to clean those energies, not only from the people, but from the energies, uh, from the space, yeah. right? And not, definitely not allowed to get it to themselves, right? So it's that's the kind of dangerous part of the job, really. It's a, like uh, occupational hazard, if you will. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and that's the job and responsibility of master healer mm -hmm. uh, maestro to confront the cleanse the space of that energies of those energies so it won't affect uh, mm -hmm. you know generally you know when when you're in a ceremony and you work with uh, experienced maestros you know like let's say in Kaya Shobo, so we have two main maestros Arturo um um, Walter, so they are coming from long lineage of master healers, you know, it came from their great-grandfathers and grandfathers, and who knows, like, how long, really, like, they don't know, it's, you know, they they also have deep connection to Inco culture from all that, so it's a deep, deep uh, jungle Amazon knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, so that this type of you know kind of master healers, they know how to confront it. They know how to cleanse this energy, and of course, you know when you know during their apprenticeship times, they went through all this you know battles with evil spirits in a way, you know when they, you have to go through this. And uh, um, similarly, I experience often that myself, and just to know how to keep your space, and of course, you know I have. Uh, my teachers by my side, you know, to, to help to do that, to clean it afterwards, but also like slowly learning how to be in that space and understand that space, mm -hmm. um, how to clean and protect yourself. So, to, you know, the best, the best uh, way of, um, um, the best of offense is defense, you know, so you just protect yourself, protect the space mm -hmm. and kind of everything else will kind of fall in it. And to know that it takes years, years of diets and practice. Mm. Is it true that like mapacho mm -hmm. is it that's a big purpose of using it during ceremony? Is it it 
def it is that defense and also if you encounter some negative spirit you blow the smoke in its direction and it maybe doesn't like that or something along those lines you know correct so uh mapacha mapacha is very strong spirit yeah very big is it very called big grandfather spirit or yeah i don't i don't hear people people call them like that but oh, okay. definitely spirit of grandfather that i feel sure. but uh yeah um and I, you wouldn't be wrong calling it like that you know mm -hmm. don't call people people call it this way but oh, uh, you, they uh, but in in a way it is in but it has it, it definitely a strong grandfather kind mm -hmm. of energy um, and it it does have that kind of property of cleanser space yeah. very very powerful especially if you have your pipe and the, the pipe that you're working with you can protect yourself very very deeply with this um in mapacho so you do, just don't don't smoke it uh, like willy-nilly kind of right so it's not just kind of you and don't, you don't inhale either yeah. right so it's like it's not just communion with regular tobacco when you just inhale it so you don't inhale it you put it in your mouth and blow it all around your space and before that you put the prayer and call for the spirit to to aid you in this in this situation and then you kind of you light it up and you put your prayer your your words or your song you can sing it to it and then you kind of cleanse the space and cleanse yourself from that and it helps tremendously it, it is a great protector yeah is that a similar thing with copal yeah because i've heard copal referred to as like a protective spirit or a protective type of energy but i don't know if it even has anything to do with uh ayahuasca or if it's a completely different kind of lineage that believes that yeah um i don't use we don't use copal as much okay. in it but uh, i like it i appreciate it copal yeah you, you know, give me some copal i think yeah, i, I still it. have some down there oh yeah that, that was amazing it was from guatemala yeah i still that, have it i haven't burned it it's just like a copal sacred item i just sick, held on to so, like very resonant right like yeah. sticky it's uh, the copal is amazing beautiful i love copal right and uh, when on the ceremonies i don't work uh, i don't work with copal uh, but I love it in my house and I burn it in and uh, it does have cleansing properties, you know, the way I feel um, it is, uh, but don't use in ceremonies. Um, I don't know some sort of spirit or not. I, I like the cleansiness of it, Yeah. Uh, but tobacco is different. So it's kind of, it, it has, um, yeah. you know, the plant world. Really. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's sounding a lot like, um, in the Shapibo worldview, like plants are conscious, mm -hmm. like they're alive, right? Mm -hmm. They have consciousness and spirits attached. Yes. So is that all plants? Is that only certain plants? All plants. All plants have like life and maybe consciousness. Correct. Because like when I was on ayahuasca the very first time years and years ago, um, I remember I didn't feel a lot until I stepped outside, I was, I was in, you know, like a room I was, you know, and I, I was actually seeing closed eye visuals and, and cool things. But when I went outside, I got this super profound sense that this tree could see me. Uh -huh. Like I was standing before this giant, beautiful tree and, you know, I, I could feel it looking at me and saying like, I see you. 
and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> this is a being. Because usually a tree just kind of feels like an inanimate object, like there's not anything in there that is looking at anything or even perceiving, you know? It, it was, that was one of my first understandings that like there was consciousness within the tree or, you know, I, I don't exactly know how to say it, but almost like personality within the tree. And it was kind of looking at me and it was just like, I see you down there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you see me? <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> and I was like, holy yeah. shit. Like this tree is, it's got what I have, you know, like the fact that I, you know, we look out on the world and it's as if nothing sees us back. But in that experience, I was seeing that like potentially plants can sense us, you know, and can't even talk to us. Is that common knowledge within, you know, the ayahuasca world that plants see us and can talk to us? Yeah, absolutely. The plants are conscious in their regard and they, you know, they have the senses, you know, the, the way kind of we do in a way. Maybe, you know, their eyesight is different, you know, they see it kind of through the different spectrum. But the, uh, and, uh, that's kind of the purpose of the diet. And then when you were in ayahuasca, the state of that, you know, open door state, right? You could sense that and could see it. But, you, you know, you you don't see it with your regular senses, right? You use this, it's a completely different sense, right? It's just like, it's beyond the mind. Yeah. It's like this you awake but uh, it's that uh, somewhere like in between that and you can clearly understand it beyond the description really yeah. and uh, so the, all the plants have uh, the spirits and have the consciousness so some plants uh, however with that uh, there are plants that have this grand spirit, mm -hmm. deep wisdom knowledge, yeah. you know, from just millennia and the deep yeah. wisdom knowledge from the, with the um, of the nature and kind of healing properties and certain properties, mm -hmm. right? Some of the plants have a little bit lesser kind mm -hmm. of uh, on it, but uh, some some plants have very dark spirits. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the Datura, right? Like, yeah, Datura has the dark, big dark side. Uh, marijuana has a big dark side. Uh, Mampacho has a actually very strong dark side as well. Uh, but uh, you work with the light side, you know, and the cleanses, and just it, it's a strong plant. So uh, a lot of plants, oh, all plants have light and dark side. Some plants, and you know, have. A little bit less, I'm a little bit more, but they're like people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we all have our own abilities and our kind of all consciousness on the dark side. And right. but you, you work, you work with plant on the on the side that you know they're your friends, they're yeah. teachers, right? So you're not gonna work on the dark side on it unless you're trying to be brujo, right? Sure. And that's where it's very important to kind of uh, really select and know where and how you have your medicine and. Uh, Working, working in the jungle and going to the jungle is much more potent medicine experience uh, than just work uh, having ceremonies somewhere here. Um, you know, you are in the homeland and you are encountering all the spirits of that of the land and that. Yeah. On a previous podcast, I had someone um, had mentioned that not only 
cannabis or marijuana, but tobacco, not mapacho, but normal tobacco, the reason that it can cause kind of like negative vibes and or even disease, you know, like obviously tobacco smoke kills endless people, you know, per year, is that it's been taken out of its natural habitat. It isn't given the respect that it deserves also added a- chemicals uh, added chemicals yeah. but it's but it's angry mm-hmm. it's like an angry plant you know Do, does that resonate with you uh, a little bit yeah for sure um that's it and especially you know yeah tobacco too both both of those plants marijuana as well they just kind of been bred to serve one function to get high mm-hmm. like you know if you are such a like master plant and you know it's, you feel like this is mis- mistreatment yeah it, and absolutely because maybe it should be treated yeah. more ceremonially or something yeah mm-hmm. that's something i definitely don't do and i need to do um because i i've had a bunch of podcasts about how it's so strange how cannabis has turned on me multiple times um and it currently is a friend but it certainly has at plenty of times provided lots of anxiety mm-hmm. and it's like i didn't know why you know because a lot of this information is new to me and i'm so grateful for the podcast as a platform to learn these types of things but when i first tried cannabis and for like one two three years after every time was a great time it was like this it's almost spiritual experience I was getting. Um, but it was also used pretty infrequently because it was so freaking powerful. I couldn't even think about doing it daily the way that I can now because my tolerance is probably through the roof. So I can smoke and barely feel it at this point. But um, it kind of lures you in. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was such a magical medicine for its, its initial couple of years. And I'm sure a ton of people listening can resonate with this. But then at a point, I would smoke it and feel worse. And it was almost like, well, why did I even smoke? Because I thought I was going to feel better. And I thought I was going to have That's like, where addiction comes in. Yeah. I thought I was going to have like an enlightening time again. But now the message I'm getting is don't smoke because you're going to feel worse. You're going to feel more anxious. Um, and so I've taken many breaks, you know, through the years. And it seems as if like when I take a, an extended break and then come back, it's, it's friendly again. But it's like if you use it unconsciously for so long, it starts to give you that bad vibe again. You know what I mean? Um, in your view, when you say cannabis has like a dark side, like what, how would you kind of say that, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, in Kaishobo, we have a lot of people, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. come to it and have either regular use or previous use or even trying to get off the addiction mm-hmm. with it. And uh, so Maestro is uh, working really hard to like really clean it up, mm-hmm. clean that energy up, and uh, because it it kind of it, it, that energy is very sticky because you you can kind of smell it in the space, and I've seen it and and the smell uh, kind of uh, it's very kind of strong and try to block you mm-hmm. from your access to the there's a very strong spirit mm-hmm. uh, blocking you to access you know to help people liberate from that, and you can see that it's a 
kind of sticks inside of your cells. It's like there's this perfume that kind of gets gets in you, and um, you know, part of it is is like this kind of sly, kind of sly energy, you like know, trickster. like sly trickster, yeah. right? So it kind of gives you this uh, like uh, idea of things on it, but you are possessed. Mm-hmm. Possessed, <laughs> but uh, you know you have that uh, certain yeah. kind of uh, she she has a certain possession over yeah. you, right? Lure, yeah, lure you in and has uh, has that you know like this, this degree of possession over you uh, in the certain uh, kind of. I'm the only one who will give you this kind of experience, and then kind of you have an addiction and things like that. And uh, that's the that's 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 our experience. That's my experience. That's my astral experience uh, at Kai Show, but work with. And uh, it's really uh, so much marijuana, uh, like uh, coming. Um, and you know, people kind of don't see that it. So for some people, it was a cause of anxiety, because of cause of the their psychological situation when they. Uh, so it's not liberating. So you know, the purpose of uh, of really the the real purpose of kind of maestros and uh, like master healers, uh, the Rukashta people, is just to liberate. To liberate the spirit, to liberate the body, to liberate, to, to balance, bring the balance and harmonize your body, your spirit, your energetic state, um, and liberate it from the energies that are not serving that. And, uh, so they found that uh, really marijuana energy is, uh, is very strong because of like yeah. that. Not serving. Yeah. It's a polarizing topic because, you know, for a lot of people, it does help. You know, for example, I've seen, I've actually worked on a film. Um, from shock to awe, which was about veterans, you know, suffering with PTSD and they can't live like a normal life because they feel like they're in a war zone, but the cannabis will take the edge off and let them kind of munch out and watch TV and enjoy their life a little more, Mm -hmm. at least for a while. Right. You know, like that's how it was for me too. Like, not that I had PTSD, but it really alleviated a lot of my worry and just let me. I don't know, be more in the moment, maybe, maybe not think about things happening that happened in the past that I could get banana shape about. Um, but yeah, it only works for so long, you know, I guess it really is about the balance of treating it with respect and ceremonially and also the, the strains, you know, cause some strains, maybe they're grown very manufacturer alike and maybe other grows and other strains were actually you know grown with love and like mm-hmm. respect and like they're blessing the plant and you can kind of maybe feel that when you smoke it um and other times it's just like this is just this is like monsanto weed you know it's like there was no care and attention put towards that weed um which is probably why growing your own in states where it's legal would probably be the way to go because you would almost have a ceremony with the growing of it and then you know when you finally use it 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 might be more helpful than you know this mass manufacturer no one paid attention to it cannabis it's probably what most of us are smoking these days but no that's that's definitely interesting and i guess you know it's really just about balance and um yeah not not using it as a, a crutch but using it ceremonially like less frequently that's something you know i'm talking to myself here because i need to do that because uh i have taken many breaks but i certainly get accustomed to oh it's that time of the day you know like we got our work done let's let's celebrate you know (laughs) it feels very much like a celebration 
when I smoke or whatever. Um, but as I said earlier, these days I don't hardly even feel it because mm -hmm. I guess, like I said, my tolerance is so high that it doesn't do much. So it's almost like, why am I even doing it? <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's something that, you know, ayahuasca I'm sure could give me a good lesson on. So we'll see when the next time I get called to, to sit in ceremony, you know, if that comes up, I'm sure it will. That's where the plant diet come. Yeah. It. So with ayahuasca, so it's, you know, it's a strong spirit and it's a doorway and it's in like this, you know, conscious instrument that you're kind of working with it and it, it, she gets you into the space of the healing. Uh, but it, true transformation eventually, like you will need to go through the plan that, that excavate that further so so that's that's kind of like uh, where this plan diets come come really together hand in hand with ayahuasca ceremonies mm -hmm. that that um, they provide uh, truly lasting transform transformation mm -hmm. in it and you're right so like you know on the topic of uh, cannabis uh, so it does provide uh, you know like for certain people like really necessary um, kind of like patch, mm -hmm. right? And it is a trade-off in a way, but it's it's an improvement, mm -hmm. right? So you don't heal, you know, but you have this available and it's helping, mm -hmm. right? It's better than if you would feel it the other way for sure. Right. It's a trade-off, um, but. Uh, so yeah, so absolutely. So it's there's no black and white in this world, and you gotta you gotta kind of see what is the better solution for for you know for certain problems and things. Yeah. Do you think it's possible for people to learn and perform dieta like in America, like, or should you get your dieta like prescribed, so to speak, from a, like a master? in the jungle and then bring it home or could someone just like hear this podcast and be like, I want to start one today. You know, <laughs> does it, it's probably not that easy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's at a certain level, you know, the maestros can open the theater for themselves, right? But the, you really need to have a person who are like having the, who knows and has this relationship uh, with the plants and with medicine to open up the other properly. And also, you know, not only just open it up in a like really certain way, um, but the uh, also you need to clean it. You need to clean your energies. You need to clean and you need to strengthen and put protection mm -hmm. of your diet. Mm -hmm. Then you can come here, mm -hmm. like you you would go if you want to. Let's say in Kaishobu, we have two. You go for two weeks uh, of the like a retreat center, right? And you have eight ayahuasca ceremonies for for a week, uh, for uh, every week. And, uh, you know, on the day two, we prescribe you the diet and you diet in there for two weeks mm -hmm. under the guidance of maestros and they clean it and they work with the plants to kind of like help you in it. And it's very important, in, even for two weeks, uh, it, it can create really uh, drastic changes. And I see it with my own eyes and you could see the glow of the people um leaving the center right and it's very very strange because you like every time kind of gets you because usually the deepest uh, you can get into very very deep kind of like 
even sometimes angry state um, of like when in the like in the middle of your diet when diet is unearthing a lot of things about yourself and yeah. about other things and uh, uh, kind of unearthing this kind of emotions that have been stored and right. really blocked in it and it become you become you can become very kind of on edge and you don't see you know you're like you see, oh my god these people like would they kind of i don't want them to go home like that right and every time it's like kind of it comes back and this like last few ceremonies just cleans it and close it once you close your diet and it's just the plants kind of like unearth of the everything like everything they could at that time and uh, you got it cleaned up and to see the glow of people coming going back home and with the, their confidence in it it's so it's very priceless and yeah. they, they see that the really long long lasting transformational change so with those diets if you're not experienced you do want to have that under the guidance of maestro for the especially like you know first time you want to do probably just one or two weeks of the diet in it if you want to do longer diets later so you can open the diet maestro will open your diet and then continue like you come come back continue here for three months and then you can close it after that so um, it's challenging to have a diet here uh, like in the society uh, a lot of temptation but it's also just a lot of a lot of concrete <laughs> yeah 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 that's the biggest challenge for me because i can go through a ceremony and and really get clear and feel 110 percent like I know how to live better, you know? And then it's just two, three weeks later, I'm almost right back to square one. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not necessarily that my intention isn't there, but it's just like, you know, you have to go back to work. You have to deal with people. You have to conflicts arise in, in daily life. And it's hard to stay in tune with that. And you don't just want to drink ayahuasca all the time i mean unless you're you know becoming an apprentice or you know becoming a healer of some sort um so the integration you know everyone harps on integration like that's the most important thing and you know i agree it's just so hard i feel like you know maybe community local community or something needs to be there to continue to inspire you to stay true to what you learned in your ceremony that's like the hardest part. Like, what what would you say? I mean, I know you, you're saying that the con continue the plant diets is what's really going to integrate it and take it further. But is there any other thing that you would say it seems to be helpful for people to kind of stay in touch with what they learn on ayahuasca? Mm -hmm. Well, like uh, without a diet? Yeah. Just like, you know, the, the normal American who's not prepared to like start dieting plants, but... Mm -hmm. uh, certainly loved what they learned and want to integrate it but they just seem to keep falling off that you know for sure like anything else really yeah and uh for me personally it was always you know just to have that prayer uh do we have a prayer as kind of your basis of the meditation so like uh, for me personally maybe it's not going to work for everybody it was always uh, kind of have this continuous meditation practice that it doesn't have to be you know like you, an hour kind of in, in lawn or just uh, lots of times it's like in the morning and in the evening in it and just continue like seeing that experience keep open, those channels open 
through the prayer and uh, through your kind of calmness of the mind and the prayer kind of can get you there because um, you are like if you you know you open up your prayer and you practice it truly so it it, it will continue open your heart and continue opening your connection with uh, with the you know with the energy of the what's kind of an example of like a prayer is that just means you you mentally give gratitude or is it a certain sure, yeah you know like when i say a quote-unquote prayer which i do most days i kind of just say like thank you for this experience thank you for what i learned today thank you for my life thank you for this opportunity um i'm so grateful you know it's usually pretty quick mm, um beautiful but I'll say that, like, as I'm waking up or as I'm going to bed, it's not, like, this long, drawn-out thing. But that's, like, an example of, like, just bringing gratitude for even the challenges um, and, of course, the blessings. And, like, when you say, like, keeping a prayer daily, how would you kind of practice that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very beautiful. I would say that's, that's really it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you develop your kind of your prayer, you know. So I I do have uh, from my um, kind of grandmother, um, you know, Russian Orthodox uh, prayer that uh, it's uh, basically you know Father who art in heaven, right? In in Russian, and so kind of that that connects me very deeply to that you know to that energy that I I have it from her um, and then you kind of expand I was that's my opening and then expand it from there um, into you know adding my gratitude and, uh, adding connection and gratitude is such a beautiful tool incredible tool of that you know it's not like the prayer is not about asking for things right, right. it's about the really connecting with gratitude right. for for the moment that you are there yeah. you know and uh yeah. yeah, I've had to switch that in my mind because, you know, as a kid growing up in Christianity, it almost seemed like the only times to pray was when you wanted something. Yeah. And it'd be like, please, God, get me get me this car or get me this bicycle or get me this present. Or, yeah, so human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, so for now, I catch myself even still falling into that, but then I have to switch it mentally, which is I'll be driving home from Austin and I'll say, you know, please, God, get me home safe. And then I'll say, well, that's not how to do it. And then I'll wind that back in and I'll say, thank you for getting me home safe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like bringing gratitude instead of like a request, you know? And with the whole law of attraction idea, it works. I get home safe every time, right? Yeah. <laughs> still, still here. Still here. Still kicking. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I think that was a beautiful podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. And um, is there any kind of last words you'd like to put out there? Or, yeah, before we sign off? Um, good question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, the last words, I really, so I hope. You know, the driving force and just kind of the the driving thing in my life was always this, like, um, energy of wonder and beauty. Like, to see the wonder and beauty in this world. And uh, I'm just, whoever is listening here, I would love to 
send my blessings and I hope we all see the wonder and beauty in this world every day. Amen. Wow, thank you very much, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, amazing. Good times. Absolutely. Good times. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.